welcome to episode number 97 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run over all the big news, all the big bets, and all the big happenings in the gambling industry. Uh, guys, as you well know, there's not a whole lot of that going on right now. So this is going to be a podcast where we touch on a couple of different things that are available out there. And really, you're hanging around here for the interview with professional sports better Rufus Peabody. I was able to sit down and chat with him. If you haven't caught this already on the homepage over at thelines.com, if you want to take it in in video form, it is right there on the homepage. But I uh, was able to catch up with him about all things pretty much gambling, talk to him about his thoughts on touts, talk to him about if he was the basically the czar of sports betting, what he would change, how he would make things different. Uh, talk to him a little bit about that DraftKings championship outcome and where that still sits and so all of that is in this interview so if you want to stick around for that please go ahead and do that as always we are on apple we're on google spotify stitcher all of those so go in subscribe rate review five star reviews are very very helpful help us climb those ranks and help more people find this podcast here but brett uh you know we are a week a little over a week into this thing what are you doing to spend the time i'm going through stages like last week, I was like, you know, I'm fine without sports. I don't, I, don't, I don't need this. I can do this. And then this week, I fell into the gloom phase where I'm watching old March Madness and MLB clips. Like I had just broken up with my girlfriend because right, yes, right. yesterday was supposed to be opening day and the final four is supposed to be decided this weekend. It's it's getting progressively worse. I'm still fine. I'll, you know, compared to All what a lot of people are going through. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, right, but right, like, right. Sports, sports is my life. It's your life. So adapting has been strange and I'm not one of those people who's just going to latch on to whatever is available out there like Belarusian hockey. So I'm, I'm trying to fill the absence in other ways. Yeah. I mean, you know, we joke and we kind of laugh about things that there's, you know, like you said, Belarusian hockey and there's sumo wrestling and ping pong and things like that available. But, um, you know, look guys, we don't necessarily recommend running and doing that stuff. Now, I do think if you want to if you want to spend some time and you want to throw five dollars on a ping pong match because you just want some sort of sweat, you know, listen, there's just a difference between like getting something for entertainment and then ma- making this sort of a problem. And, you know, Brad, I- I'm not going to tell people how to live their life. That's certainly not what you and I do. And that's certainly not how we've lived our lives. I mean, we've been in some form of gambling, you know, for the majority of our entire lives. And so we don't want pe- we we've never loved people telling us what to do here. But you know, guys, if you are about to sit down and you're going to put, you know, several a, a hefty percentage of your bankroll or several hundred dollars or something blindly on one of these things that you know absolutely nothing about, maybe think twice before you click that submit button. Yeah. And one thing I want to make sure we're not doing at our sites is pretending we're experts on some of these new betting markets like the weather. I'm seeing people give out picks for the next season of Ozark. There are, there, there are new chess betting experts emerging. If you're not talking about these events throughout the year, then get the hell out of here with your analysis. Right. It's just, it's not honest. And I understand we're, we're all looking for ways to produce content and talk about gambling and engage our audience. But <clears throat> a football expert giving out Counter-Strike and cricket advice is just, it's so fraudulent. It makes me want to throw up and I'm seeing it all over the place right now. So we're staying in our lane We're you know, we're ramping up some of our NFL draft content, uh, preparing for the day that sports do return so that we can provide the best information and analysis that we can. And specifically, Brett brings up a really good point as well. Like any of these touts that are going to try to sell you picks in these crazy sports and things like that, like do not whatever you do. 
do not waste your money. That would be absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, if we look at some of these sites that we do, that we do, you know, talk about frequently here on the podcast, talk about DraftKings, talk about FanDuel, we talk about the BetMGMs and stuff of the world. There are a bunch of bets that are starting to pop up, specifically in the draft market have started to get a little bit bigger now that free agency has pretty much shaken out. Now, there are some pieces to still fall here. Where will Cam Newton land? Where will Andy Dalton land? Where will Jameis Winston land? And actually, as we sit here right now, if you're listening to this, those are all three options that are still available over on DraftKings. You can bet where Andy Dalton's next team is going to be. You can bet where Cam Newton's next team is going to be. And you can bet where Jameis Winston's next team is going to be, Brett. Uh, Andy Dalton sitting here as a favorite to go to the Jaguars. Um, They even have him just at plus 300 to stay with the Bengals. I guess the thinking there would he would just mentor Joe Burrow. Uh, Jameis Winston, again, the the short side, Jaguars need a quarterback, so the Jaguars are always going to be a popular pick. Jameis Winston, plus 250 to go to the Jaguars, plus 500 to go to the Chargers. And then Cam Newton, plus 150 to go to the Chargers, Jaguars at plus 300. And then, of course, it gets uh, it gets a little bit further from there. One of the interesting things I think I did see for Jameis Winston, and this was something you and I talked about a while back. The next shortest odds for Jameis Winston is the Steelers at 8-1. to one. And we were talking about would the Steelers take a chance on one of these quarterbacks that became available just in case Ben Roethlisberger was not able to to play this year because, I mean, again, we are talking about a serious injury with a serious surgery that he had. And while he's saying he's progressing, I mean, look, until he gets out there and takes real hits and things like that, we don't really know if he's going to be able to hold up. And so I I found that a little bit interesting with the Jameis Winston eight to one to the Steelers. Yeah, there's Jameis. There's I mean, Andy Dalton was that's what was he? I think he's Andy Dalton was plus sixteen hundred to go to the Steelers and. I'm keeping an eye on Pittsburgh. This is a team that I will probably have a futures bet on before the season starts with their defense mostly still intact from last season and a lot of healing on the offensive side of the ball. Quarterback is the big question mark because we don't know what Big Ben is going to look like. And they they were a disaster on offense last year with who was even playing for them last year. I don't don't remember. Duck Hodges. Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, yeah. They had an opportunity to go and get a quarterback and they didn't do it. I would have loved to see what they could have done if they had somebody who was actually competent under center. So that's going to be something I'm watching. I don't think big, I don't think big Ben can do it for them this year. So I I feel like they do need to go out and get a quarterback if they're going to have any chance of, uh, of winning that division. Cam Newton, a very, very short number here to go to the chargers at plus plus one fifty, basically implying that this is where he is going to end up here. It seems like the chargers have, Everything that they've said front facing anyway, Brett, is that they were pretty content to roll with Tyrod Taylor. I guess my question in all of this is if you are the Chargers front office, I mean, I know you don't know and you can't know until you sign the guy and you get him on your team and, and you know, you see him play. But I mean, a healthy Cam Newton with the pieces that are there for this Chargers team You can't guarantee that Cam is healthy. I do get that. But is he not worth a dart throw here? Is he not worth rolling the dice on? Because if you get good Cam Newton, if you can get Cam Newton from three years ago, two years ago, 
with that Chargers team, that Chargers offense, I mean, yeah, I understand you play out there with the with the Chiefs, but dude, there is a lot of pieces on this Chargers team. Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago that Cam was one of the top quarterbacks in the league. People are treating this like it was five years ago. When he is healthy, when he can actually is mo- when he's mobile with the football, he's so dangerous. And yeah, they have a bunch of pieces still in place on offense and defense. So they are they're a sneaky team. Uh, Cam was working out with Tyrod Taylor this week, so I think that's why uh, the odds of him going to the Chargers are where they are right now. But also, you know. Jameis could end up with the Chargers. He's plus 500 there. And I think Andy, Andy Dalton was like plus 1,000. So it looks like they are, I mean, they're definitely in the market for a quarterback. I've always been a Tyrod guy, but we're, we're getting into, I, th- I feel like we're getting into the end of his, you know, his ability to be right. the starting quarterback in this league. And, so. and you, you saw him pretty intimately being a Bills fan. So you were able to see him, him play a, a good amount. And I know that, Back in the day, you and I used to talk about this, that you were a fan of his. But as you mentioned, I mean, that was that was several years ago now at this point. Yeah. And he's not going to be able to run as well as he did back in those days. And that's where he was so effective. Uh, He is he's a very smart quarterback. He doesn't turn the ball over. But can he make plays to win football games? It's it's a question mark. So. I I could see them going after a Cam or a James Winston and they're suddenly dangerous if they do land one of those quarterbacks. It would be very interesting, no doubt about it. And of course, on all of these lists, and it's a little bit longer for all of them, but on all these lists, and that includes the Andy Dalton uh, props as well, fall the New England Patriots. I mean, look, I guess you could say that they're okay with Jared Stidham. I mean, I, I, I guess if you want to try to convince me that they were going to just stand pat, but I don't know, man. I mean, is is this one of those things where if if they do not go and get one of these guys that we know is available out there, I think you short the Pats because I wonder if they have basically made the decision to go ahead and just tank and, and try and, and get as good of a draft pick as humanly possible. It's hard to imagine Bill Belichick tanking. He's not getting any younger. He like how many more years does Bill Belichick have in this league? But if they do tank and end up with a Trevor Lawrence, they they're right back in it again. Right. I, I can't see them doing it with Stidham this year. I haven't seen we haven't seen anything out of this kid. The, what we did see last year, he was a complete disaster in mop up duties. So it's hard. I mean, they did pick up a uh, Hoyer. They brought him back. But with this roster and, and one of those two guys under center, I, how are they going to compete this year? I, I'm I'm I think shorting it is a great play. Yeah. So if they don't. Yeah. If they don't make a play at the quarterback position. It does make me wonder if there would be an ulterior motive for this team, uh, no doubt about it. If you head over to BetMGM, there is a massive amount. They have actually really expanded their draft uh, availability over there. If you're looking to go ahead and start to figure out what you need to, you know, start researching here, you know, first overall pick, second overall pick, those are the basics. You're going to find that everywhere. But, you know, they have a ton of these other ones, you know, first offensive lineman, first tight end drafted, first linebacker. They have the second quarterback drafted. They're going to ask you for the corner, the third quarterback, all of those different things. They have over-unders on the total quarterbacks that are going to be drafted. They also have put up uh, over-unders on wide receivers drafted in the first round, running backs drafted in the first round, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, corners. So they put up these over-unders on basically all the positions there for the uh for the first round and, and Brett, you can even bet on the total kickers drafted in the first oh, round God. set at half. If you want to lay 10,000 to win a hundred, 
Um, listen, that's free money. I, I don't have the bankroll to lock up 10 grand to win a hundred dollars, but, uh, that's free money. Cause there's not going to be a kicker taken in the first round. You are correct. I, I hope there isn't any, any GM who takes a kicker in the first round should be fired on the spot. So right. I, I, I don't see that happening. Yeah. That would be almost worth the story. If you have, if you have the money, go ahead and bet that. And if for whatever reason, a kicker does get taken in the first round, that's a good story for you because if you've got that type of bankroll, then, you know, like losing the 10 K yeah, it's going to sting anyone. No one wants to lose 10 K, but if you've got that type of bankroll, um, th- it's worth the story. If they take a kicker in the first round, right? When was the last time a kicker was taken in the first round? I feel like it, I feel like Tampa must've done that at some point. What it was it that was it that kid that never, that never panned out that, that was like so amazing in college. And then he, and then he didn't pan out whenever he got to, uh, got to the pros we'll have to check that out but i mean yeah it's like it's just insanity but again that's ten thousand dollars and again it is i would go ahead and say that's a lock i would never i would never say something is a lock on this podcast other unless i really 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 thought that and there is not a team that does not have a need at all this year i mean even the chiefs have needs after free agency here and they've lost some players and things like every team has needs there is just no way that the, any team is going to take any team is going to do that. All right. It looks like Janikowski was the last kicker taken in the first round. 17th overall by the Raiders. Raiders would have been my second choice as a, as a team that would do that. Yeah. I knew Janikowski was the, was a first rounder. I thought that maybe it had happened again since this. So it's been 20 years then. Cause that was like Aguayo, way Aguayo was a second round. Oh, okay. Okay. So there it was. Uh, yeah. So, so it's been 20 years since this that's has not, happened. It's not, it's, it's, it it's should not never happen. Yeah. It's not happening. Yeah. So again, that's, that's a free hundred bucks. If you, uh, if you've got that sort of bankroll, of course you can bet on which team is going to take which player to us listed Chase Young, Justin Herbert's listed. Jerry Judy is even listed there. If you want to take a shot at that, um, they even have the draft position uh, over under of Justin Herbert. And this one's pretty interesting because Brett, it's set at five and a half here. So um, now it's juiced to the over. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, setting it at five and a half at minus 250, I think Herbert is going to go mid to late first round. I don't think he's going to go in the top five picks of the draft here. So uh, that's a fairly interesting bet for me, even with it being juiced to 250. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think six at the Chargers is more likely than, you know, in the top yeah. five. But yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. And if you want to start doing tallies of all of the mock drafts that are out there and any ones that you really, really respect, you can also bet total number of Alabama players taken in the first round, total number of LSU players taken in the first round, total number, and then of the conferences, ACC players, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, uh, all players, how many of those will be taken in the first round? And so uh, you can you can do that again. These are all things that if you just start to kind of look at these various mock drafts that are out there, take into account that there will be some trades. There will be a little bit of wackiness. But do any of the numbers seem a little bit off to you? And is there any value out there? These are all things that we'll be doing in articles where we break down over at the lines here in the coming weeks. Of course, we still have uh, you know a month until the draft rolls around for us here. So we will have just all kinds of articles and videos and all this. But these are the things that you can at least start researching for yourself here, and especially any of the big name players, because they have now set uh, lines over at BetMGM, which, Brad, you know, one of the things we've talked about here is, you know, usually it's DraftKings and FanDuel that are running to get these things up before everybody else. But the most extensive draft menu that you can find right now 
is over at BetMGM, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, this is impressive. Uh, good on them because, I mean, look, there's nothing really else to bet on right now. So they should be ramping up these markets because people are going to bet them. This is the next big betting event on the calendar, really. So um, we're, we're diving right into it. I know uh, PointsBet is is adding more and more every every day as well. So uh, it, it's it's cool to see uh, all these different markets for for the draft that we really haven't seen before in these legal U.S. markets. And if you're uh, if you're looking to sign up, it, it you know you probably have a DraftKings account, probably have a FanDuel account at this point. If you don't have a BetMGM account, just head to the lines, and uh, we've got the best sign up offer you can get out there. Actually, so go ahead and uh, and and go to the lines and click on the link right there before you sign up at BetMGM because that's going to get you the best sign up bonus. Get you get you a free five hundred dollar bet, get you a free weekly ten dollar bet, all kinds of things like that. So uh, definitely take advantage of that if you're going to do it. As well. I mean, outside of the draft props here, Brett, I mean, there's really not a whole lot. I mean, I know that they're I know that they have put up some of these game of the games of the year lines in college football. So if that's anything that you want to kind of speculate on and and take a look at, um, they, they have put out some of those as well, which, again, doesn't surprise me. They're putting them out this early. There's nothing else to to bet on. So they've gone ahead and put out some things that you can take a look at. I mean, for me. I think the only one that really stood out, and this is betting against you know my own team here, but they put out the Alabama LSU game of the year line. Alabama is less than a field goal favorite. Um, this is going to be a pretty rough. This is going to be a rebuilding year for LSU. You know, as much of a rebuilding year as LSU, they're still going to win eight or nine games, right? I mean, and and I think the ceiling, ceiling like cap of the ceiling is is ten if they have a, a an upset somewhere along the way that they shouldn't, but. Uh, Alabama is going to be still really, really good. LSU at quarterback, you know, with losing Joe Burrow, with Miles Brennan coming in, it's going to be an experiment for him for sure. Um, look, I don't, no one likes to lock their money up for a long time. I'm not a guy that likes to lock my money up for a long time, but, uh, Alabama less than a field goal favorite. I think that by the time this game rolls around and we'll probably remember this podcast here, Brad, on March the 27th, whenever we talk about this sometime in the fall, as to uh, as to what this game line is whenever it does actually roll around. But it would not surprise me if Alabama was close to a touchdown or more favorite when this game actually rolls around uh, come in season here. Uh, so anyway, so just one of the ones that I saw that jumped off the page that I might take a look at. That game must be in Baton Rouge, right? It it's is. Short of yeah. Okay. yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. just pound it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and, anywhere but Baton Rouge. Yeah. And, and even so, I still think it's a number that I would be willing to take um, if I was over in Jersey, uh, that would be something that, again, if I had the bankroll to do it and and go ahead and felt comfortable locking up some money for a few months, then that'd be something that I would be taking a look at as well over there. Uh, outside of that, guys, uh, as Brett mentioned, it's really just kind of uh, it's really just kind of the fringe sports that are going on out there as far as things that you you can bet on. So uh, just be smart about it all. You know, if you want to have fun on putting a few bucks here and there on some of this crazy stuff, there is that. Now the UFC, Dana White has pledged that he is going to continue on and that he is going to hold events uh, come hell or high water, despite the fact that uh, he'll have to do them in empty arenas. And most of these states are telling him, no, Nevada, you know, his home state here where this company is based, said no, um, they were not going to allow the events to happen here. So it's uh, he says he's found a a place that's going to let him do this. And I'm sure we'll get an announcement here any time now. So there is at least a big UFC fight that's still uh, out there. Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurgan Midoff is going to, uh, is going to happen, I guess, if you believe Dana White and if you believe that he actually has a location and there's actually going to be a state 
that is going to let him hold this thing. So I guess whenever we talk about other things, you can bet on Brett. Um, the UFC is going to be out there, and if it is going to go off as planned, then we will have some some content around that as well. Yeah, that fight is the 18th of April. Is that right? Or yeah. is that, that's what's scheduled yeah. right now. Yeah, if, if that is still uh, if that's still going to happen, we'll we'll definitely <laughs> have, have some insight. I will not have any insight on it, but we'll obviously you will. And we'll try to try to bring somebody on who can uh, can talk. Yeah, we'll bring someone on, and we'll have a we'll have a written piece for you as well sure. on this. But yeah, it's. Uh, Again, this is the reason we're not talking about it yet is because I'm just putting a big asterisk there. I mean, I know Dana keeps saying it's going to happen, but it's just, you know, we don't know where this we don't know where the country is going to be a week from now. We sure as hell don't know where it's going to be three weeks from now. And uh, three weeks from now is when this is supposed to take place. So that's a that's a long way down the road. And, you know, I I don't I don't want to I don't want to sit here and waste a bunch of breath talking about a card that I feel like. And I don't know. I mean, to me, I just feel like this thing is going to get postponed. It doesn't really matter how adamant Dana is about trying to get this done. If anybody is going to try to get it done, though, <laughs> it, it, I feel like it's Dana White. So we'll see. Well, if you were going to set odds on it happening, what would you set them at? Honestly, I would say I'd put it like plus 150 of it happening. All right. Yeah. Like plus 150 of it happening. Um, it's... Pretty much a coin, like, you know, close to close, close to a coin flip, something like that. I mean, I just feel like even if he does find a state today that says that they'll put this card on, I don't know if that holds for three weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't know if that actually holds. And so that's just the interesting thing for me right. in all this. Um, guys, as we mentioned, we were able to sit down with Rufus Peabody for a nice, you know, I mean, it's it's a good forty minute conversation here, so. But hey, you know, what do you have better to do than to listen to a very smart dude talk about this industry? And again, some interesting nuggets in there as well of his thoughts on the tout industry, um, as well as what went on with that DraftKings Sports Betting Championship that, of course, you know, made so much news back in the day. So uh, stick around here as we talk to Rufus Peabody. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us here in these very weird times. If you are watching this, you probably know the man on the screen already. But for those of you that don't, that is Rufus Peabody. He is a pro better. He is also the host of the Bet the Process podcast. Rufus, I know things are incredibly strange right now, especially for you. So I thank you for taking the time today, man. Well, you know, I don't have much else to do, Matt. It's, uh, I'm an unemployed better <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, let's we'll, we'll get there in just a second, but let's start things off with. I mean, obviously, this is just incredibly timely with everything. But you said you started to feel a little bit sick and then turns out that you actually tested positive for the coronavirus. Correct. I did. I did. So I was traveling. I was in California for um, this sort of professional gambler ski trip thing and then had a wedding in Telluride and then met some friends and went skiing in Vail. And so I was doing a lot of travel. I got back to Boston, I guess it was like March 4th for the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, which is um, which is here in Boston. And mm -hmm. I guess, you know, I, I, I was tired because I'd been, um, you know, I was tired from all the travel. Um, so I felt right. a little fatigued on Friday and then Saturday. Um, I mean, we, Friday we um, I went out we, with a bunch of people, we were out till, you know, the bars closed. And so, um, I woke up Saturday with the headache and I didn't really think much of it. Cause I was like, oh, I'm just a little hungover. And then, um, right. and then, yeah. Um, and then I guess Sunday it, it didn't go, you know, it, it didn't go away. And, and, um, and I sort of had a little, a low grade fever, I think on, on Sunday and a little bit of a cough. Um, and, but that was basically it. I mean, I started, I was feeling better by Tuesday. 
but I, I did notice that like I, when I had a glass of wine, I was like, this tastes like this, like it, this Pinot is turned or something. And my fiance was like, I don't know. It tastes good. It tastes really good to me. Cause it was, it, we, we'd been, um, wow. we'd been on a trip to wine country and ordered a, a, mm-hmm. a case of, of this really nice wine. And, and it tasted like, it, it was just like, there's something wrong with this, but I just, <laughs> I, and that's when I realized like it, my taste was just like off. And I remember, um, yeah, I, I cooked, uh, I, I made a spicy dinner and like, I didn't taste any spice. So, I mean, that was sort of, that wasn't like the first symptoms for me or anything like that, but that's something mm-hmm. I noticed sort of afterwards. I guess and when what I said made that. You, yeah. I was going to say, what made you go, okay, so maybe, maybe this might actually be the, the coronavirus here. So, you know, I didn't really think it was at all. Um, but mm-hmm. my, uh, my fiance got sick that week. Um, I guess that's not, I guess two weeks ago. And so, mm-hmm. um, and she works in the medical field. So she got tested and when, um, when she came back positive, um, I realized that I, I, I must've had it and probably given it to her cause she, she felt, uh, yeah. Right. So, so I feel kind of bad about that. So as far as things go now, you just basically tired, kind of felt like crap, but it, it you didn't get one of the severe cases. I assume. No, no. Mine was like yeah. really mild. I wouldn't have, you know, I didn't really think much of it at all. Mm-hmm. I'm very lucky. All right. So you said, uh, you, you said at the top here. So in an era of no sports, one of the weirdest things that is going on in my lifetime right now, I feel like, I don't know if I've ever gone this long without watching some sort of sporting event in my life. What does a professional sports better do when there is no sports. Let's see, I've done, we're on our third jigsaw puzzle. We went from 750 <laughs> pieces to a thousand. Now we're on a 2000 piece Las Vegas panorama one. And, and we're probably, we, I think we probably have only two or 300 pieces left. Um, so there's that. I've, I watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I'd never, ever seen in my life. So um, that, that, that was like a lot of hours. Uh, I, I've been right, doing, right. I, I've also been doing some R and D work. I've been talking with mm-hmm. friends. Um, I mean, I've been doing a lot of sort of thinking, ideating, I guess, about, you know, given what's going on now, what sort of opportunities there could be and sort of how do I want to position myself in the future, um, as well as sort of working on some some stuff for some business ventures. So um, I, I've, I will say I have not been nearly as productive as I would have liked to be to have been. It's It's kind of hard just because there's so much going on with the news and it's, it feels like you can't really right. get away from it. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I've, I, every day I wake up and I feel like I've got this list of 10 things that I'm going to get done and I'm all gung ho to get going. And then you get, you get on Twitter and then the news yeah. starts going and you get all confused and sidetracked and everything. Um, so you said you're doing a little, uh, a little R and D. I know you are, you know, big into modeling and this is one of the things that people love to, to follow you for. And the things that you talk about is this like, are you kind of moving on to, uh, another version of what you've built or are you kind of just going back in and doing some testing and, and trying to make sure that you're as optimal as you can be? So I'm always trying to improve my models in the different sports. And there's some stuff that I've been working on uh, in golf over the off season. And by off season, I mean like December because there's not a huge mm-hmm. off season in golf. Um, but, but I sort of, I guess for the beginning of the, you know, this calendar year for the PGA tour, um, and European tour for that matter, I was kind of, you know, I, I had, I was 
in between models in a way, I'd sort of made some tweaks and to, to try to change my sort of pipeline and, and sort of my process to make things more efficient, but I wasn't really fully there yet. So it made it kind of a chore every week to have to, to, uh, to run it because um, it was sort of in an in-between place. So I'm trying to get it to that fully, to the place where you know I want it to be for when golf comes back. But it's, it's a lot harder to motivate when you don't know how long you're going to be without you know, sports to bet right. on. It, it just feels, I don't know. It's, it's been very tough to, to stay motivated, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people, I mean, smart people out there are probably taking this time and like learning, you know, learning to code in some language they can't mm-hmm. or taking online courses or something. And I should be doing that. I, I should be get, like, I, I have no excuse not to, I should like be giving myself some structure and be sort of tackling some of these, uh, these things that I've wanted to, that I haven't had time to. So I heard you talk about that. You weren't positive whether you were going to tackle the baseball season this year or not. Now that opening day has been pushed back and indefinitely, we don't even know when baseball is going to start again. And you haven't had anything to bet on. There wasn't golf for you there. <laughs> Have you rethought the baseball thing? Are you going to give baseball a go after all, or are you still sitting back and saying, ah, it's not really worth it. For no, me. I'm going to sit back. Uh, I, I think I made, you know, retrospect, I made the right decision not putting in time um, working on baseball this offseason. It's I've always struggled in like around the all star break and and after J- July and August betting baseball. And so, I mean, if, if the season's beginning at that point, I think it could be a little bit um, it's going to be a little unusual. You know, I think that um, uh, and obviously these long layoffs are going to add uncertainty. So there probably are going to be some opportunities there, um, but it should be interesting to see me because normally early of the season, April pitchers have the advantage largely. I mean, part of that is due to the weather at that point. And you're going to, if the season begins in the middle of the summer, um, it could be, it could be, maybe, maybe flip-flops. So let's go to how you got into this in the first place. And then we'll go into one of the things that I really want to talk to you about is just, you know, how, how vocal you are on Twitter about just trying to improve the industry overall. But how did you get into this in the first place? Were you, were you a poker guy? I know a lot of people have a poker background and that's how they get into some sort of other gambling venture. Did you ever do the poker thing or were you just a sports better from the get go? No, I was never a poker player. Um, at least never a good poker player. I played with friends and stuff like that, but <laughs> right. um, I, I was always into the numbers side of sports and I just kind of lucked my way into this. I, I uh, read an article on ESPN back in like 2007 Um about this company, Las Vegas uh, sports consultants, um, which at the time they set odds mm-hmm. for 90% of Nevada sports books are consulted on the opening odds. And so I talked my way into an internship there. Um, I convinced Yale actually to, to pay for me to go out there because I was going to be doing research for, um, it was going to be research for my senior thesis, which at the time I thought it was going to be on um, sort of corruption in the amateur athletics, basically looking at point shading and stuff like that. And I, I kind of mm-hmm. did an about face and ended up, um, doing my senior thesis on psychological inefficiencies in the baseball betting market, um, which sort of became the uh, sort of the, um, I guess the, the, the skeleton for, um, or, or the backbone for my, um, uh, my first baseball model that I bet on when I moved to Vegas. Um, so I moved to Vegas after college, worked for mm-hmm. Las Vegas sports consultants for a year and, and figured out um, I could do better betting than I could um, on the, on the odds making side of, of the counter. So I've been, it's what, I guess that was in Vegas in 2008. So it's been 12 years since then. So uh, I feel like the first few years went by slowly and just, I don't know that we're the last decade, you know, the last decade has just flown by. 
Now, all uh, along that, did you did you start out? Okay, I'm going to bet every single sport, and then you figured out along the way what you were best at. How did you hone in on kind of what you consider to be your bread and butter? No, so it's more the opposite. I, I sort of started. You know, I had baseball, um, and I was betting baseball on props essentially, and that was sort of it at the beginning. And then um, once I sort of had those in place, then I was able to sort of look at other sports uh, in 2010. Um, my former senior thesis advisor, Cade Massey, approached me about um, build, doing, building an NFL rating system for the Wall Street Journal. He'd been approached by this, um, this writer, Michael Salfino, about that. So, um, and Cade, he and I had kept in, good, in close contact, and he, you know, he said, if you want to do this, you want to do it with me. So it was, it, was a really, it, was a, it was a really great opportunity to collaborate with him on something. And that was sort of my first, you know, that was the first football model I built to sort of attack. Um, a big, a big market. Well, baseball's a big market too, but like attacked NFL sides. And so, um, and we've, we expanded into college football a few years later. Um, but during that time, initially I was also doing a lot of derivative betting. So, um, I, I, mm-hmm. I figured, you know, at that point in time, I think I could price the derivatives a little bit better than a lot of these books could. Um, you know, it's now it feels like, you know, it's pretty simple to do in a way it's, it's, I mean, it's not, <laughs> not totally straightforward, but it's, um, right. but uh, there aren't the same opportunities there, there used to be, uh, used to be there, but I got into golf, I think in 2010, um, when I found some data and was just like, Hey, I'll, you know, I wonder how efficient this market is and found it was pretty inefficient. And so, um, that's kind of how I went about, you know, it, it kind of was just happen chance, um, happenstance, not happen chance, mm-hmm. um, that, that I guess, you know, it got me into particular sports at particular times, but, um, but yeah, I still, I mean, I don't bet hockey or, or basketball. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I keep it, I think it's easier. It's, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm spread really thin as it is just with, I guess, two and a half sports now. Um, cause I guess right. I, I'm not betting baseball anymore, but I think it's a lot harder if you're, if you're trying to do everything, it's a lot harder to do it, do it well. Yeah, I, that's I'm glad that you just said that. Cause that was going to be my follow-up here. It, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people watching this who, aspire to be you like you who want to be a professional sports better or at least be someone who's profitable betting maybe they can't quit their day job but at least be someone who's profitable in the venture it, it is that kind of a piece of advice that you would give to them is hey you know really kind of hone in on one or two and quit trying to you know bet Australian rules yeah. football or whatever it might be or, or something like that 100% I think especially if you're starting small starting with the smaller market sport where the markets can be less efficient and and just specializing in that you know um it's you know if you're if, if you get familiar with that data um and you're thinking along that you know if you your brain is just thinking in the wavelength of that sport I mean I think it's it's a lot easier to 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 do well um betting a sport if if it's the only thing you're focusing on so what about DFS? I mean, it, what you do is, you know, you're obviously known for being very, very good at betting props. If you look at DFS, I understand it's not apples to apples, but what you're trying to do is project a player's performance and then put a bunch of those guys that you think are going to perform well onto a same team. Uh, did you ever give DFS a shot? Do you think that DFS was something that maybe if you, if you in another life would have been something that you would have been really into and maybe kind of went in that, that route, that route. You know, if I could turn back time in like 2012 or 2013, I would have like gone entirely DFS. Cause from what I've heard, the market mm-hmm. was, it was extremely um, inefficient at that point. And mm-hmm. I, I do do some DFS stuff now. Um, 
mm-hmm. but and, and I've done I've done well with that. But from what I it, it, like, from it, it's ludicrous to think that the market could be that much more like that inefficient as people have said. But I mean, because mm-hmm. um, it seems like there are some some inefficiencies, especially in the sort of larger tournaments, the the GPPs. But I mean, I, I think it, like DFS sort of you have the the projections, but you sort of have another component too, and that's sort of figuring out ownership and correlations. Yeah. And um, I think it it's it, it's a fun little it's a fun challenge, and it's it's different, and and I enjoy it actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm I bet way more sports these days than I do play DFS. But kind of like you mentioned, I think it's a it's an interesting little it's it's an interesting thing to go at it to where you are you have some skin in basically every one of the games that are going on, right? I, I kind of look at it more of a, I'm going to bet, you know, maybe one or two games that I feel like I have an edge on in a week. And, but DFS gives me a chance to kind of scatter some exposure out, enjoy everything that's going on on all the TVs that I've got going around. And so I kind of look at it more as, as from that standpoint these days than I do from a, Hey, let's, let's sit down and grind and try to try to grind out a profit here. Right. Um, so let's go back to the the sports betting industry. And like I said, one of you, you're one of my favorite follows on Twitter because one of the things that you definitely do is you're you're outspoken and certainly give your opinion on things that you think need to change or you know, I think that you've actually probably even caused some change somewhere along the way with with some of your opinions on things that are going on. So I want to start here in Vegas. I live in Vegas and, and you've spent a lot of time here as well. When you look at what Vegas and the offerings here compared to these newly minted markets out in, let's say, Jersey and Pennsylvania and stuff. And I know you've spent some time in Pennsylvania and messed around with, I mean, uh, in Jersey and spent some time with those those apps and and different things out there as well. Um, Where do you think do, do you think Vegas is missing the boat here? I mean, at any given time, you can open up DraftKings or FanDuel or PointsBet or any of these other apps and there's you know, 200 different ways to bet every single game where we know that that's just, you know, not the case here in Vegas. And while we haven't seen the numbers really, you know, uh, fall off quite yet, it's you see Jersey, you see Pennsylvania, you see these other states coming into the market, you see their numbers surging, you see their handle really climbing. Uh, do you think Vegas is maybe missing the boat a little bit, being a little too old school? You know, I think they're they're different. Um, I think you're right. You do see a ton of different offerings for for DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, all these other all these books in, in New Jersey, but um, most of these offerings are basically only geared towards recreational betters and they're not going to, the limits are so low. And if you're, if you're trying to actually exploit edges, you're going to get limited really quickly. So effectively you don't have all those options. If you're, if you're actually, um, if you're an advantage player, uh, I, I do think, I mean, personally, I, I still think, I still like the way Nevada books handle things better, just in terms of their philosophy on bookmaking. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, the people, um, people like, you know, Jimmy Vicaro, Chris Andrews at South Point, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, even like, you know, Art Manteris, Art Manteris at Stations. I mean, these guys have been in this industry for a long time, and I think they have a lot of respect for what they're doing. Um, and that doesn't mean they're going to go and give me ridiculous limits, unfortunately. But, um, <laughs> but I think that, they view bookmaking a certain way and, and they, which is very different than sort of these European operators that have come into New Jersey. And and so um, I, I, I still think Nevada is in terms of the art of bookmaking sort of, you know, the best place. Um, and then you look at sort of right. newcomers in the game um, Circa. And I think Circa is, is the gold standard. Like they are, I mean, they don't have a ton of different offerings yet, but 
um, the way that they, the, the way that they're booking, they're taking limit high limits um, or decent limits, at least high limits for, for bigger events. Um, and they're taking the same action for everybody. And I think that's uh, personally, I think it's, it's fair. It's um, yeah, it, it, it's fair. Um, it's transparent. Right. And I, I like that. I don't think it's geared. It's going to be interesting to see how they do because it's, they're not going to get they're They are going to get a lot more sharp action as a percentage of their total handled than, than most other books. And so if they're and especially given that they're, I mean, that especially for futures and stuff, their over round their theoretical hold is the best uh, in the industry by far. Um, how much, how, if they're going to be able to turn much of a profit doing that. So I, I hope they do. I hope, um, because I, I hope that kind of, uh, approach to bookmaking uh, continues and to prosper. You know, these East Coast books have caught a lot of flack on Twitter. I know there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, the, the way that they've gone about some of the things, the way that they handle some of the limits and whatnot. Do you fundamentally have a problem with the way that they are going about bookmaking? Because, I mean, would, would it be a little bit better if they just came out and said to you, hey, you know what, Rufus? we're not in this for you. We're in it for the masses. We're in it for the recreational players. So this kind of why we're going about the business that we're going about right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would appreciate the honesty. What I don't like is when, mm-hmm. um, when someone like Joe Asher, the CEO of William Hill says, they're not banning people for winning. They're not limiting betters for, for, for being winning betters. And, and that's, you know, an outright falsehood, you know, when that, that kind of just, I feel like insults our collective intelligence is, is betters. But I do think, mm-hmm. you know, I, there's one argument that says these are private businesses. They have a right to um, to basically take bets from who they want and, and refuse action or in the case of many states, uh, just limit action um, mm-hmm. from you know whoever they want to. But I think also we have to, this is not a free market. I mean, there are not an unlimited number of licenses out there. Not, you know, you, you know, I can't open a book if I want to, um, right. well, without a lot of money and a lot of <laughs> yeah, red tape and all that. Right. So yeah. if, if the government is essentially saying, okay, we're only going to allow, a few, you know, these companies to have licenses. Um, I think in a way, I think that changes things a little bit, in my opinion, where I think they should have a responsibility mm-hmm. to, um, actually be providing a service to, to everybody. Yeah, I guess that's been one of my I, I guess that's one of where I've I've had a hard time trying to trying to toe the line here because I, I try to look at it I, from the other side as well, where I say, you know, OK, look, they don't really care about people like me who are high volume betters or people like you who are really, really good at it. it it's they, they care more about the person that's coming in and throwing down just the twenty dollar bets here and there recreationally and. And all that. But then at the same time, I do understand where you're coming from as well, where it's like, you know, hey, look, it's still we need to level the playing field. We need to make sure that things are going on. It's, it's kind of one of the weird internal struggles, actually, that I've had through through all this, you know, whenever some of the whenever they list uh, some of the games at, at minus 112 instead of minus yeah. 110. And there was a lot of people who said, I can't believe they're listing this at minus 112. And, you know, I, I I did step back a little bit and say, but you know what? The guy who's betting twenty dollars, the difference in minus 112 and minus 110 he just doesn't give a damn, you know? And, and so it's kind of like, it's, I don't know. I don't know where I fall ethically on this. I mean, I think the issue though is to me, at least from sort of, uh, you know, I guess an economic perspective, it, it does, it's not, the system we have right now is not efficient. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like for any game, there are people that want to wager big on both sides of that game. 
and are unable to at these particular books because they're limited. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think to me, it's an argument for an exchange model uh, or something on the peer to peer side, because, you know, you have this money that wants to be, that wants to, you know, to be bet that, you know, is not really um, able to be bet, at least not in the United States at this point. So if you are, if you are now no longer, Rufus Peabody, the better, and you are now Rufus Peabody, the czar of all oh. things sports books, and you were able to come in and make a couple of changes. What would be the first couple of things you would do to help? Because, I mean, look, this is Colorado's about to go live. Illinois is about to go live. We know all these states that are coming on here. So what would be something that you would tell these states? What would be something you would do to try to help? you know, make this U.S. market as robust as it could I would be. Try, I, w- I would try to essentially come up with projections for these states to basically say, hey, if you offer um, if you offer like 30 licenses at a 5% tax rate, this is what your revenue is going to look like um, hmm. versus if you uh, offer one license and take 50% tax rate, you know, you're at, this is what your revenue is going to be. And I think right now a lot of the, I think the states think that, um, or some of the states like New Hampshire think that the latter scenario is hmm. actually going to be better for them. Um, because that's what um, lobbyists are telling them, the lobbyists for that one operator, for example. Whereas, um, you know, and I think that right now, I mean, everybody, I guess in sort of the legislative process, these different actors are all lobbying for their self-interest and you don't really have anybody uh, lobbying for the interests of betters and basically saying, hey, this is what's actually going to happen from this. I mean, PointsBet Mm -hmm. is interested in PointsBet. DraftKings is interested in DraftKings. The NFL is interested in the NFL's best interest, right? I mean, Canby is arguing for Canby, but nobody's arguing for what's actually best for the state. And and I think in general, what is going to be best for um, betters is going to be probably best for the state. And I know that that's something that you have have taken up now is trying to do what you feel is best for the, the betters out there. How has that grown from idea into practice here and where do you guys stand right now? Well, we're still I mean, we're still just trying to get this up and running, working on the paperwork mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, it's um, and and you're yeah, you're referring to the start of the um, the American um, well, betters coalition with um, myself and, and Captain Jack. Um, I, I think that it's, I think it's something that's important. It's, um, it's taking more time than I would like, but I mean, I, we're, we're trying to put together a board. We're trying to figure out, I mean, we have a lot of people that have, um, have signed up and said that they are interested in volunteering their time. Um, so we're basically just trying to, you know, put this all together and, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't have, have experience starting a nonprofit or anything like that. So I'm, I'm talking mm-hmm. to a lot of different people. Um, and basically trying to just be a sponge and absorb as much knowledge as I can um, to figure out sort of how we're going to go about this. And I think the, um, I guess the cancellation of all these sporting events has given us a little bit more time, but it's also, um, it's also made it tougher to, I mean, to try to identify a good launch date um, because there's, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing going on in the sports betting world right now. So, uh, um, but hopefully we're going to use this time to sort of really get this up and running. yeah. So people would people would kill me if I had some time with you and I didn't bring up the DraftKings championships and how everything oh. went down over there. I that was where I met you. Uh, we were I was over there with Gail Alexander and uh, uh, we we did not fare as well as you. Obviously, uh, we, we we went busto in that thing. But, um, you know, uh, everyone knows the story by now. If you don't, all you have to do do is is, is Google Rufus Peabody DraftKings championships. So to, so to save you from that. But. You know, 
we here we are, you know, way later in in all of this. Where did where does that situation sit? Are you able to talk about it at all anymore? And is is it resolved in in any sort way, shape, or form? Um, it's it, it never really resolved. I mean, I went back and forth. My lawyers went back and forth with the DraftKings lawyers and and DraftKings over the the months after. Um, there was we filed a um, or I guess a complaint with the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement, and they did a investigation, um, which they came back and basically said, hey, DraftKings said it was okay. Like it was, it was, it wasn't much of an investigation in my opinion. It, mm-hmm. They didn't actually um, investigate the claims that, that DraftKings made, um, which was a little bit um, disheartening and upsetting to me. But I mean, if you look at it, I mean, we're, you know, a regulatory body like that. I mean, in general, they, are, I mean, they're paid by, um, indirectly by the operators that they're supposed to be regulating. So it's very difficult. And it's, this isn't just in sports betting. I mean, it's very difficult in general to have sure. a, a, an objective regulatory agency, uh, just because of the incentives, the incentive structure. So I guess I wasn't entirely surprised, but I wish they would have done a little bit of, um, a little bit more due diligence there. Um, but I, um, I have, I did not file a lawsuit against DraftKings. Um, mm. and, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I, it's impossible that I won't, but, um, at this Mm -hmm. point, you know, the whole thing, it just dragged on for so long. And at one point, um, you know, I I actually asked if they would rather than giving me a settlement, if they would actually just, um, instead make a donation to this nonprofit, which this was sort of the idea behind the, uh, the American betters coalition. Like this is back last, Mm -hmm. like April or May. And and they actually told me that they thought um, such a nonprofit would um, would be counterproductive, and that the regulatory, yeah, I guess the the regulations in place are more than enough to protect betters, and an organization like mine could confuse them because they wouldn't know who to go to. So I was, you know, I wasn't really happy with that um, because a nonprofit needs money to succeed. Um, Right. So, uh, but (laughs) yeah. Uh, so I guess I, I, a question for you, let's, so let's, it's, I know this is going to be probably pretty hard to separate because when we're talking about the, the amount of money involved and all that, but if it is at all possible, the, the thought of a betting championship like this and trying to take an alternative approach to the sports betting space and trying to be a little bit innovative again, let's try, let's try and wipe out oh, the ending to all this. I think it was a, great, I think it was a but, great idea. Like, like yeah. I, I think DraftKings have, a fantastic idea to, to hold that. Um, but I do think there are challenges. And, and I know that obviously this year's was, was it canceled or just postponed or I don't even know. I think, I think the, this, I think it was canceled. I think this, they the were going to do one. one for just basketball only or yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that one got canceled, but I think there's two still on the books for the fall. But again, we, as we sit right now, we don't have any idea how that's going to I mean, play out. I think the biggest issue with this, I mean, I think it's a great idea, but but you do have the issue of collusion, especially if there's a big overlay. I mean, I, I found out after the fact that there were groups out there that, you know, had a lot of different, you know, they sent a bunch of different people there and, and, you know, to, yeah. and, and, you know, it's, let's say you have five entries and you can, you know, I guess have um, four people bet, big underdogs, um, separate underdogs or something. And then the fifth person do a money line or the favorite money lines for all those. And you're guaranteed Mm -hmm. to have someone have a nice hit there. Um, 
right? I mean, it's so I think um, right. it, uh, there there are huge opportunities um, for colluding, and I think it's really really difficult to necessarily like to identify that, especially on a, in a small sample. I think you know I've, I I talked with John Aguiar about this a little bit um, because I had been approached by people before this spring sports betting national championship asking if I wanted to join their group. And so I felt like I was in a really bad position where I, I didn't think if I entered on my own, I'd be able to have, really compete because I think right. the deck is stacked against me there. But at the same time, um, you know, I didn't think it was an ethical thing to do to, to sort of collude. So, uh, you know, I, I was going to not enter for that reason. Um, so I think that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and John said that they had, you know, they were, they were aware that, people were doing, you know, going to try to do this. And, and, you know, they were, they, they were going to look into to this, but I, I think it's really hard to police. And I, I don't know how they would be able to sort of effectively police that. And, and, you know, I, I don't have the answer there, but, but I think it's something they do need yeah. to address because, I mean, we, we saw the whole controversy with collusion um, in DFS in the DFS space where in reality, what happened was this, I guess, couple, if they did collude, you know, they had 300 lineups instead of 150, but, you know, overall your, you know, your, your first lineup is going to be the one that has the highest expected value. Your second's going to have the second right. highest. It's going to go down. So, I mean, if, uh, you know, th- those lineups, 151 to, to 300 have a lot less value than the first 150. So I, I don't think, I mean, obviously you're circumvent, you know, these people are circumventing the, the, entry limits, but it, but there isn't the same benefit um, that right. collusion has in something like the sports betting national championship. So. Yeah. I, you, you have the same, I basically said the exact same thing to people. I mean, listen, if you want to be upset about something, be upset that they broke the rules because obviously we don't want people breaking the rules. But if you think because you put 300 lineups in a contest with 150,000 entries or whatever, that that's the golden ticket. Uh, I can assure you that is uh, that is not the goal. Well, it, it's, I mean, it's not going to happen. And I guess professionals want to bet more because, you know, if if they have, you know, if they're positive expected value for the first 150, mm-hmm. maybe the next 150, they're probably expecting it is also going to be positive expected value. So, it, you know, it's it's just allow it's essentially allowing a higher percentage of the pool to be sharp money. If you if you didn't have these limits, mm-hmm. which. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's just a, it's just interesting. There's a lot of people who I could tell were, were like, oh, well, if I could just throw in 300 lineups, I'd be a millionaire too. You know, it's just like, eh, no, no, that's uh that's not, that's not how it works. Um, You brought up ethics, which is perfect because it takes us into the, one of the, the last things I want to talk to you about here. And that is the tout industry, which is something that, again, that you are very vocal about and something that I could not be more aligned with you here on. And that is, if you are unfamiliar, if you're watching this and you're not into the the lingo, it's basically people who will sell you sports betting picks for various prices. Sometimes people charge you $5. Sometimes people charge you $500, depending on who the person might be somewhere along the way, or they might charge you $3,000, let's say, for a season, whatever, you know, however uh, that might go. Um, you are, are very anti kind of the tout business here. Um, you've time and time again you've said, listen, you know, it's just, it's impossible to make money. If you're paying the person this amount of money at the end of the day, you're just not going to make money doing this or whatever. But can, can, before we get into some of these, these people doing this, especially exploiting people to, to the maximum here, can you just give your overall blanket statement on why this whole thing is, is bad? Okay. So I think, um, it, it where to begin? Um, if, <laughs> so first off, most people selling picks are not winning betters, um, because, mm-hmm. 
in general, if if you're a winning better, you're going to be doing, you're going to be able to do better betting on your own than you will be selling picks. Um, I would say that less than 1% of, of touts out there are actually selling winning picks. The thing is, if you, you, you could claim, hey, I can find the 1%. I found the 1% that's selling winning picks. Um, the problem is that um, there, you know, this is not, this isn't the stock market. This is a sports betting market. Mm-hmm. It's not as large. Um, where you're not buying Amazon stock. You're buying, uh, you're right. buying a future on a team to win a game. Probably. And so if a tout, let's say a, a tout sends out, um, you know, a pick at a price of minus 110. Um, you know, if this tout is actually winning, sending out winning picks, you're not probably the only person that knows this. Um, there's other, there's professional betters out there in some cases and, and just, uh, you know, that are, that also are getting this information and subscribing and probably have written bots to automatically bet when immediately when you release mm-hmm. the pick. Uh, and so you're probably, that line isn't going to stay at minus 110. That line is going to move to minus 115 or minus 120. And, and uh, most likely any value that you would have had would be gone. So if you're if you're not one if you're not that person that has the fastest buy, you're you're not going to be making money off of that. And um, I know this sounds like a great story, um, but I talked to somebody years ago, back in like 2015, who said that you know they were automatically betting the Massey Peabody NFL picks we were releasing um, for free. They they had a scrape. You know, whenever mm-hmm. w- when they were released, they would. Uh, they had a bot that was automatically firing them every time and, and, and he'd made some nice money off of that. And so um, <laughs> he probably lost some of it back in 2016 to 2018, but uh, uh, that thing, I mean, it does happen. It's not, um, you know, and so, and, and this is the sort of the 1% of, of pig sellers that are actually good. But the other thing is you have um, Twitter has made it easier and easier Twitter and Instagram um, for touts because you, they can, they can tweet out a bunch of picks and delete the ones that they lost. Um, mm-hmm. There's really no real um, it, it's, there's no sort of third party. Uh, well, there are a few third party monitors out there, but some of them, you know, I don't, I don't know the specifics. I don't want to say that they're ethical or not ethical yeah. um, or if it's pay to play or what, but there's, there's not, I guess, a well-known third party rep, um, site out there tracking people. So it's sort of, it's buyer beware. What percentage of what percentage of these guys would you say? And I mean, you're well more in the know than 99.9% of the people out there. What percentage of these people would you say actually make money? Because I mean, I'm, you know, as well as I do, the, the percentage of people who just make money just in general sports betting is very incredibly small. So what do you think is the percentage of these people who are actually out there selling picks that are actually making money? So what percentage of pick sellers have picks that are making money or which is that the question? Yeah, like of those people, yeah, like how many how many of those people that are out there selling picks do you think are actually profitable or actually profitable sports bettors? So the question is profitable sports bettors or or actually show a profit because I think there's people that get lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. I think it, it, you know it depends on what sample you're looking at, but long term I'd say it's it's one percent or so probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, and and that brings us to everyone's favorite in, in Vegas, Dave, right? I mean, the, the guy that's that's going on out here and, you know, the five hundred dollar whale plays and talking about I, I saw the other one. What was it the other day? He did a, a cricket one or something like that or whatever. It was like it was something absurd where it was five hundred dollars for cricket. Oh, yeah. Um, he was studying up for the hula hoop competition. My fiance, yeah, like, literally yeah. could, like, was thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing she'd ever heard, like the curling and the like badminton. He was like, I spent all day studying curling. 
I spent all day. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. I don't remember. Um, so I kind of have a, a a little bit of a harsh opinion on this. I think also, and it's a little bit of this Darwinism kind of thing going on. But if someone is willing to send this guy five hundred dollars yeah. for his curling pick of the play or his day of their ping pong play of the day or whatever it might be, at some point, are you kind of like, you know what, man, that's on you. You're just you're kind of dumb. You're kind of, you know, you're kind of dumb. Like I, it's hard for me to feel sorry for that person. I don't know. I, 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 I think Vegas Dave is obviously just the, the worst of the absolute worst out there. But at some point I start to look at these other people and go, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. The thing is though, I mean, there's scammers in, in all industries. And if we just said, okay, mm-hmm. you know, anybody that get falls for one of these scams is dumb. I mean, you know, I, I think, I think that it, I mean, uh, you know, I think, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get your point. Like, I think that yeah. at some point there needs to be responsibility, but I think also we understand the industry. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. we've been in this industry for a while. We, you know, we know the, the harsh, you know, the truths about it, but someone that maybe doesn't even know anything about the sports betting world, maybe doesn't know sports very well, you know, thinks it's possible to pick it at 75 or 80% clip, you know, and and maybe they you know they buy it thinking like oh well this guy you know he wouldn't be able to claim this if it wasn't true, I mean mm-hmm. and and so I think those are the people you want right. to protect, and so I mean and just like you know people that, I mean obviously if if any if somebody falls for the sort of Nigerian prince um, scam you know that it's not right. good uh, <laughs> it's not good but but <laughs> that still is not le- that still should not be you know the the, the, per- the right. scammer should it still doesn't make it, it right. doesn't make yeah, it yeah. right for the scammer yeah. to do that that's that's yeah. my point right right yeah no no absolutely i, I i'm with you and, and certainly i try to hold them accountable at, at any opportunity as well it's just i mean they're still in business and so i look at it and i'm like wow there must be a lot more people out there that fall for this type of stuff than i'm given credit for because i guess i just like you said i we've been around it so long and we're so familiar with things you just look at it from the outside and you say who would ever do this but uh you know i mean he's still you know flashing his money in his houses in mexico and his cars and whatever so some some people doing it (laughs) i mean he sells he's selling a lifestyle he's basically saying look yeah you know you you know how you know that i'm legit because of this lifestyle i'm living mm-hmm. which yeah and i guess if that's if that's important to, and that's important to a lot of people i guess and so they, that's easy to fall well, for right are, like you just get i mean people are gonna be like yeah, well, you become how, so enamored how is he with, not a winning better if he has you know if he has this you know, these cars and he has the house in Cabo and he's, you know, sitting courtside at a Lakers game with this beautiful, you know, with some, you know, mm-hmm. Instagram model or whatever it is, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah it's smoke and mirrors. It's, I mean, he's, yeah, it's con he, man. It's con man. Right. Yeah. Con men are very good marketers. They're very good at, you know, persuading mm-hmm. people of something, you know, and I think yeah. Vegas Dave's obviously very good at that. Um, he's just not a very good sports better. <laughs> and uh, I want to end things here with uh, promoting y- your podcast. I mean, the, the bet, the process podcast, you guys always talk about you and Jeff, uh, your co-host to talk about, you know, listen, we're doing this cause we want to educate the masses here. And so I do want just to give you a, a little bit of a platform because I think anyone who's not listening to it certainly should, because you guys take a different approach to everything. The whole podcast, isn't you sitting there just breaking down games and giving out picks and things like that. It's, you know, you're talking about the different theories behind the way that you're doing things and how you ended up a certain place and, and things like that. So 
Um, what was the, what basically, where did the podcast come from and what is it morphed into now? And do you have plans for where it's going to be, you know, whatever a year from now? Well, I know how Jeff would have answered that. Jeff, I mean, I think on the <laughs> podcast, Jeff was like, do we, didn't start because, you know, um, I, it allowed me to talk to him. It allowed me to talk to him without having to pay him to do so. <laughs> um, but no, it, it actually originally the idea came out of I was talking back. This is like 2017. I I, I had the idea mm-hmm. for some sort of like tout watchdog thing, and 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 Jeff was like, well, you know, you could have a podcast of it. And we ended up having a podcast and not a site. You know, it's a lot easier to start a podcast than than right. the, um, a tout monitor industry watchdog website. And so it's grown. I guess it's been almost three years now. Um, we are. We are actually, pro- we've been independent for quite a while. Um, I think we're actually, we've been, we're in the process of um, potentially signing on with a, a, a mm-hmm. with a podcast network. So um, hopefully we'll get a little bit more distribution and um, from that, we'll see. Um, we, yeah, it's, it's a weekly podcast during the football season. We talk about, uh, we do, we do talk about some games, but mostly we're, we're talking about um, sports betting analytics and sort of the process behind things. And in, in the football off season, we have a lot of guests on a lot of people smarter than us that are able to sort of enlighten us on, on their processes about things. And I think we're planning on actually dabbling, um, going a little bit beyond just sports, but talking to people that have really good processes in other industries a little bit. So um, that's sort of the plan for it. Um, it's It's been a lot of fun for both of us, I think, because we both were, Jeff and I both were at ESPN. Jeff was um, the, the the first ever ESPN predictive analytics expert for two years. And then I was, I followed that up for, for one year. And we both were very frustrated with the idea that, I mean, with, well, the way we were being used, I guess. Um, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I was not very good on TV at all. I'll be the first to admit. So, I mean, I was, you know, they should have used me a little bit less, but I mean, we were, they, they wanted us to basically give quick sound bites, sound bites and talk in sort of narratives. And and so we, we never really had a chance to sort of um, to do things our way. And, and as in reality, I mean, things are, things are not, um, things are not black and white. It's not like this is going to happen because of this. That's, I mean, you can come up with a great narrative for, for both sides of the game. But um, in reality um, saying, Oh, this has a 53.7% chance of happening doesn't sell. And so it's the challenging thing for us is sort of finding a way to make talking about sort of the process behind these things, rather than just giving out picks, uh, making that sort of interesting to people. So. Mm -hmm. No, it's it, it's great. And anyone that is interested at all in the industry, I cannot recommend it enough. I mean, it is a podcast that I listen to religiously every single time that it that it comes out. And so I think you guys do an amazing job because, again, it's, you, there's a thousand podcasts out there. People just talking about every single game down the slate and giving you a random pick because they think X, Y, Z. But you guys are going, you know, taking that and digging down and going below the surface as to how you got granularly to, to where you got that pick or where you got that number and stuff. And I think that's invaluable to a lot of people to understand that, you know, the, the gut feeling stuff is only going to get you so far. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, we're, I guess um, we do talk about some games, but mostly we're more just talking about sort of the processes behind building models um, and just sort of the way of thinking that you sort of need to sort of attack the sports betting markets. 
Yeah, it's been it's it's awesome, man. And I cannot thank you. I know you're going through some stuff over there. We're all going through a little bit of stuff, but you being able to take the the time today, I cannot appreciate it enough. And uh, everybody out there watching this and listening to this is certainly going to appreciate it as well. So, Rufus, thanks for taking the time, man. Yeah, thanks it. for having me on. And hopefully, I'll be able to Good go deal. outside soon. <laughs> you and me both, man. You and me both. Take advantage of this. Uh, I'm getting some Vegas sunshine. Oh, today, nice. So it's it's, uh, it's like it's raining and snowing here, but. You know, it doesn't, I mean, which is better because I can't, you know, I have not set foot outside of my apartment in since last Tuesday. So it's been six days. It's, it's been, it's been rough, but I, I, I feel I'll okay. be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be hoping for you, man. We'll be thinking about you. Nice. Thanks. Brett, you know, pretty interesting to be able to sit down. This is something I'm going to be doing here over, you know, basically until we get sports again, I'm going to be finding smart people to talk to bookmakers, professional betters, even people that are just experts in certain fields and whatnot. And, bring that to the lines and to the lines YouTube channel, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's content that I think people right now it's, Hey man, this is like, this is something that you can learn if if you really want to start to take this seriously. And we've talked about this before, you know, you and I have lived this, you know, whether it was poker, whether it was DFS or whether, you know, now sports betting, we've always been real big into research and improving our games and evaluating our own play to make sure that we are trying to do things optimally. And listen, Guys, there's never been a better chance for you to really go about doing that than right now. I mean, you don't have anything distracting you in a, from a sports betting standpoint. Of course, the world is distracting right now. But uh, if you want to escape from everyday life in the real world, there's no better opportunity than right now. And you heard Rufus even say that he's tweaking his models and he's going to be looking to uh, to make some improvements and things like that. And I think that, you know, especially if you're a football better you know, you're going to look up and it's going to be here before you know it. You know, I mean, it's I know we're sitting here at the beginning, basically the beginning of April here, late, late, late March, beginning of April. And you're thinking, man, football season's a, a mile away. But, you know, September's going to roll around. October's going to roll around whenever we end up actually getting football. But, you know, September, October is going to roll around and you're going to say, oh, man, I wish I'd have done that. And, you know, um, Brett, maybe we'll even maybe we'll even try and, you know, sometime over the next, you know, four to six weeks even just put up a, a guideline thing of, of ways that you can go about trying to increase, you know, your, your profitability and becoming a better, better here when you have some time to do that. Yeah, definitely. And seeing, a, seeing the success of a guy like Rufus motivates me to study and really dig into the industry a lot more because it's, it's so much more than team a versus team B pick a side. It's more than you versus the book. There's just there's so many different elements of sports betting. And while I have no plans to ever be a professional sports better, I want to be able to understand their day to day. Same as I want to get inside the mind of a risk trader and the behind the counter guy, because right. that helps us spread information that our audience wants to know and, and will help you be a better, better. Yeah. So we'll we'll try to do that. Actually, we'll put together some we'll put together a list of some things that you can just do um, between now and. And when football season rolls around and, uh, you know, it's just some stuff that we've we've learned along the way. And uh, some smarter people than us have told us that, that these are things that we should be doing. So definitely uh, we'll, we'll have that for you. And we'll, t- we'll let you know here on the podcast whenever that gets posted as well. And finally, before we get out of here, Brett, the one thing that, you know, we talk mostly sports betting, but we talk, you know, all things gambling here. And one of the things that we have seen a little bit since people have been quarantined is the rebirth of online poker. It's not another online poker boom. And I'm not going to say that, but what I am going to say is people are at home. People, uh, you know, probably bored by the time night rolls around because they've already gone through all of their Netflix, 
Netflix queue and Hulu and Amazon Prime and everything else that you can do. And we have seen some really, really huge numbers in the online poker space, including the biggest online poker tournament of all time just happened uh, at Poker Stars this past week with their Sunday million amassing an $18 million prize pool for an online tournament. We've even seen here in the uh, New Jersey, uh, the Nevada, New Jersey compact on WSOP.com. They are putting out guarantees that are getting absolutely destroyed as well. And, you know, again, I'm not saying that it's an online poker boom here, but I definitely think that it's at least something to look at that should online poker continue to get legalized in these states. Of course, we know it's legal in Pennsylvania. We know it's going to be legal in Michigan. And if they can figure out ways to all kind of compact here, I think we're at least seeing where there is some potential for there being some big, some bigger tournaments, some bigger action and something that we were a little bit more accustomed to, you know, pre black Friday back in the heyday. It's not a poker boom, but it kind of feels like a poker boom. I'm seeing people on my social media feeds who have nothing to do with the gambling industry whatsoever asking about online poker, how to play online, how to set up a home game. Uh, they're, and they're sprouting up all over the place. So this, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see that poker could still like live on and, and thrive if given the opportunity. And I think if we see states you know, legalize it and they're able to pull their, their players with other states, we, we could see online poker back. It, it's, it's been a while since we've seen uh, any kind of growth in, in poker here in the U.S. But I, I feel like this, this, is, this is promising at the very least. And if you're in Nevada and you want to play, playnevada.com is a sister site of ours, has all of the uh, different ways that you can play, uh, play in J. A sister side of ours as well. You can head over there and you can take a look at the various ways that you can play uh, poker where it is legal play Pennsylvania. If you're in Pennsylvania as well, but uh, yeah, it's some interesting, interesting stuff, interesting times here uh, with all this. And people are looking to the, the, you know, the, the space that we've, we've talked about, you know, this, this online realm. And that's why we've said it's so important for these States to not be over the counter only to take online stuff and, it's because of, of, you know, it's because it's just the way people want to do these days It's the way people lean. And I think we're seeing that in the in the online poker space as well. And it's like you said, man, I'm seeing it on Twitter as well. I see all these people that are sweating things and it's a little refreshing. It just it takes me back to a different place in time. But uh, it's 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 just it kind of makes me smile. People coming out of the woodwork. I'm seeing even some of these guys from back in the day, Brett, that you and I, I mean, like, you know, David Williams is, is playing all of these online, is playing all these <laughs> WSOP.com tournaments right now. And, you know, uh, all D Daniel Negreanu is like grinding the, the online streets here in Nevada. You know, it's just, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It feels like 15 years ago when, you know, you and I were, were both getting into the poker industry. It's, it's that the early, the early start of poker. I'm, I'm kind of getting that feeling again, but uh, it, it, it's, I mean, I'm hoping for sports betting, I'm hoping that doesn't last long because, I mean, that that's a lot of what this this poker quote unquote boom is. It's just yeah. filling the void of sports. But, um, yeah, it's, it's good to see the poker is still in the minds of people. Guys, uh, as always, everything that we talk about and all of the things, any kind of content that that's going on at the line, it's, it's uh, the lines dot com. Be sure and head over there and and check out what we've got going on. Of course, a special thanks to Rufus for taking some time to uh, sit down and talk with us here. 
it's uh, something we're going to bring to you as, as often as we can, whenever we can find just, you know, again, the very brightest, very, you know, not only brightest, but just, you know, some of these guys that really and truly have influence on the industry, whether it be a bookmaker, whether it be a, someone that's running a sports book, one of these, you know, big companies that's come along. We're going to try to talk to all those people here over the coming weeks and keep you informed and entertained as we do wait for sports to come back. For Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.